The subject for the evening talk is Form is Emptiness. There is a well-known piece in the Buddhist tradition where it is said in the Heart Sutra, I believe, form is emptiness and emptiness is form and form is form and emptiness is emptiness. And the thought is by way of exploring the first of these statements. Form is emptiness. And I'd like to begin with just giving, if I may, two or three personal examples of living in form, not unusual in any way, and then from there explore and go into the form which is taking place here, and ways of seeing into the nature of things. I mentioned to you the other evening that I uh, had been ordained and uh, was uh, a monk, and that was from um, 1970 to 76. For th three of those years, I <coughs> stayed in a Vipassana center, monastery, in southern uh, Thailand, some, I think it was some 15 hours <coughs> on the train from Bangkok. <coughs> And the, there's a form, of course, of the monk's life and the, 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 the structure and the, the guidelines and the precepts which accompanies it. But there is also the, the form of the day. And the way that the form of the day was constructed for us there was we begin the day at four o'clock in the morning and with uh, the bell ringing, which in fact was um, an empty bomb from a, a B-52 uh, which had been donated to the uh, temple. <laughs> <laughs> and <coughs> the teacher, Ajahn Damodaro, who incidentally about five years ago during the retreat came here to uh, um, visit and to see what on earth I was up to. <laughs> and we would begin the day with a walking meditation and sitting. And the walking meditation, in fact, was done in a very large circle. There were, at the peak of the season, um, about a hundred monks and another part of the temple, more than two hundred nuns. And We'd walk in a very large circle, just slowly and mindfully, and then there would be a sitting period, and the teacher rather insisted that we sat and did all our practice outside, you know, rather than in our little huts, rather so that we were visible. And I can well remember not getting up one morning at um, four o'clock, and outside the, my room, like here, there was a, these were wooden, of course, in Thailand, there was a little veranda, and kind of bleary-eyed at 
4.30 or 5 o'clock, I walked out of the room and lo and behold, the, the teacher is sitting cross-legged, meditating on the veranda. <laughs> Not saying anything, but I got the message. <laughs> and in this, then from there we would go on what is, what is the, the, the begging round, and we would walk across the rice paddies to the farmhouses and to the villages for about an hour, collecting the food and coming back. And in the morning period, there'd be um, a sitting um, period, again uh, outside, then there'd be lunch, and then in the afternoon period, there'd be uh, a one and a half hour walking period in this large um, circle, uh, an hour's sitting, and an hour standing meditation, as some of you do here as a change from sitting. And this was required as, as the minimal work, minimal meditations, and then in the evening there would be um, a sitting, and then sometimes the, uh, uh, the teacher, most evenings in fact, would give a evening talk. And sometimes in the years that I was there, there would be translation, and sometimes I uh, wouldn't get uh, translation. <laughs> and at least, at least here, one of the you know, good fortunes that one has is that the talk may be terribly boring and tedious, but at least it's reason you're reasonably assured that it will last, say, 45 minutes, and at the worst, an hour. And, but in the East, they, they're quite timeless. <laughs> and I have sat, this is honestly, from 8 o'clock in the evening, listening to a talk of which I hardly understood a word except vipassana, dharma, <laughs> samadhi. <laughs> and it would go on and on. And we didn't have the, the good fortune to have <coughs> chairs and nice thick zafus and things like that. We just sat on, the, on these mats. That was, all, that was it. And if you were in the, the privileged minority, which means you were a maha, you'd done several years, then um, you got um, a little square piece of carpet, and then you sat in the front row, and that was, you know, that was much more, obviously, more comfortable. So, <laughs> and the, what was difficult, that in the Eastern tradition, with the form, you're not allowed to point your feet straight forward. If the soles of the feet are facing towards the teacher, this is regarded in the East as being very disrespectful. So it rather limited your options with what you were going to do with your legs. <laughs> and so sometimes he would begin talking at eight, and it wasn't unusual to finish at midnight or after. It, one tended to see rather a few mind states during this period. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the, the, the day which we... Uh, um, um, experienced and over this um, period of time. And then to take, and if I may, again, personally, in terms of the form and the structure, that I live in um, a small town in the west of England called uh, Totnes, which in a way is um, the town, I sometimes think of it as a kind of um, home for old India freaks. <laughs> it, it, there's quite a growing population of um, refugees, Western refugees from India who turn up in Totnes and live, live there. And uh, 
the number grows year by year, I notice. <coughs> and so the form of the day there um, is that I, I don't get up at four o'clock, I can definitely say that. And, um, and during the last few months, I've um, been working in the mornings on, um, with um, Henrietta here, on a um, manuscript. I've been meeting, I've met in the last two or three years, a number of people, and I've made a taped interview with them. One of them, Mary Lightfoot, who was here and had to go to Varanasi, who has been working as an independent social worker in the villages and is very much in contact with the grassroots situation here. And other people like Ram Das and um, Unu, the former Prime Minister of Burma, and uh, two or three couple of years ago, Krishnamurti and others. So in the morning time, the form has been, that has been taken up, uh, except with a small break to take my young daughter to Nashona to uh, school in the morning. Who, I must say, has, children have their own wisdom, you know. She said a lovely thing to me recently. She said, um, Daddy, she said, um, the future never comes. <laughs> now, isn't that a lovely insight? <laughs> so, then we were coming back in the car just recently, and she goes to a rather progressive school called Dartington, and uh, she started saying, um, which I never heard her say before, um, our father, who art is in, who art, who, I forget the lines, who is in heaven? So I'm driving along and I turn to her and I say, but your father's in Totnes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a kind of general form through them. Um, <laughs> she, she laughed all the way home. It really tickled her. So, and then in the afternoon I tend to meet with people and um, uh, for various reasons. And it's another kind of form. There's the other kind of form, and because all of us in various ways are involved in various forms and, uh, and I think they're very very valuable and useful to reflect upon. And so one of the areas which I'm uh, active in is in um, politics and with um, green politics and in terms of the Green Party, which in uh, Germany, as you know, is called Die Grünen. <laughs> and this year in the general elections I stood as the um, parliamentary uh, candidate for the area of Devon where where I live, and as you see, I wasn't elected. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of exploration taking place within the Green um, Party, um, in the International Green Party and the Green Movement, about form again, the form of elections, the form of parliamentary democracy, the, f the, the form of um, voting, the structure of the system, etc. So there's a lot of questioning going on within the forms. And, and very easily, with, within whatever kind of form that uh, you and I are involved in, the very form of it, very easily, as it were, has a kind of habitual process or pattern to it, if you see what I mean. And got familiar with a form, a religious form, a, a form of uh, um, timetable, a form of structure, many kinds of forms that you and I know, uh, forms of language, which is even more subtle. And we get familiar with these forms, <coughs> and one of the things which we notice in our familiarity with form, that very easily um, the form itself um, becomes something as a foundation for some kind of 
security or dependency. And I think we have to check with, with ourselves any kind of any kind of form, the form of relationship, the form of living, the form of beliefs, the form of um, action, the form of practice or whatever. So we, we see within ourselves that we are in life, we involved in forms, we experience forms, forms are visible to us and we move in various forms. And then we ask ourselves, well, what's the relationship which I have to the kind of form of my life? Now in that, looking, looking at the form of our life, and I would say, um, particularly here, here meaning Bodhgaya, here meaning India, here meaning that the great um, large percentage of us in the room here are um, not from India, a few uh, of you are, uh, but in either case there's a certain, I would call it an um, independent spirit which is willing to step out of the form, out of the old forms, at least temporarily. And I think this, this, it's a tremendous um, thing, and I was re just reflecting on this earlier today, that, that sometimes the freedom which we have, in this case of stepping out of the particular form, the form of job, the form of uh, uh, training that you may have in a particular <coughs> career and lifestyle, and actually to be here, to quite some degree, is to move out of form and to experience at least for a period of time in one's life, a period of time, what one might call relatively formless, in which there's a great deal of independence and a great deal of freedom accompanying that in independence, and one can move rather formlessly through places and through situations. And, and I think this is, you know, socially and personally, very, very important. It, it indicates, at least in this period of time in one's life, or your life, it, it indicates that one isn't too much attached to form, to some forms. Because when people are, and use it for security purposes, which is what form does, it can have such a grasping effect that one is lives in in a very formed-like condition throughout one's life. And some of us see this in some patterns within our society where the, the expectation is you go to school, you pass as many examinations as possible, then from there you start on your, your career, working up the ladder, you, um, you get married, you have children, you take out life insurance policies, <laughs> You, you buy a house, you plan for your retirement, and you die. <laughs> and this form is a very predominant form. The form itself is not harmful, and it's not destructive, and it's not bad, and it's not wrong, and one shouldn't be participating in that form. But rather, what can happen is that we become so identified with it, 
we use the form, the social form, the expectations upon us, for security purposes. And in that respect, form isn't emptiness. Form is something which is so important, one can't see outside of it. One can't imagine that one might, might be able to live one's life and view, view life in another way altogether. And what happens is, of course, is that where there is this <coughs> using form for security purposes and investment purposes, if a person, if a woman or a man says, well, I don't really wish to be I in this form, or I don't wish to be the in this form at this period of my life, one can very easily, as many of you and us experience, experience quite strong feelings from people within the structure and form and within the apparent security of it, of feeling that one is um, useless, or uh, a dropout, or avoiding responsibility, or what, whatever. All sorts of labels and accusations can be directed to us because we're not regarding form and structure as the be-all and end-all of living. And that's why with these retreats and, and, uh, um, and India, and I think there's something here, I just want to say a little bit about, uh, about India. It's, it's one of the eternal paradoxes of um, places like India, that it's correspondingly so utterly troublesome to be here with the hassles of people, you know, trying to get to, into a shop in the marketplace is a considerable achievement in India. The, the concerns with um, health, with passport, with the rapidly disappearing traveller's checks, <laughs> um, with the dust and the commotion, you know, and all those, all those things, and yet, in spite of all this, you know, hassle, which is sometimes in stark contrast to the orderliness and the cleanliness and the preciseness of our Western system. I mean, such contrast to it. Yet, yet with it, there is something for some people which is touching, which is significant, which is some kind of sense in the vastness of all of this and all the commotion and all the difficulty that goes with it, that somehow the, a sense of oneself and being free amidst all of it is, is really felt quite tangibly. On the face value, I would say, of being here, just on what you see and what you hear and definitely what you smell, <laughs> one would run not a mile, but about 5,000 miles. So the evidence which comes in is saying, oh no. <laughs> and the manifestation, what we experience in this form of society, or what we experience here, something else 
seems and appears to generate through, which is in spite of it. And sometimes we can't say, what, what, what is it? And some of you have been to India and gone away and you're back again, and you've gone away <laughs> and you're back again, and India hasn't changed. <laughs> So it seems that well, we can't put a finger on it, but the forms itself, the appearances themselves, don't seem to matter as much as we imagine. And then we may possibly begin to get, a, as it were, an intimation, a little bit, that form is emptiness. In the retreat situation, in being here and spending these uh, days, days together, The retreat situation is evidently a form. It's a temporary form which one person we may describe as initiating and uh, taking uh, responsibility for a number of people, yet within it there is an agreement. And with the agreement, we establish between ourselves, in a way, though one may initiate <coughs> myself, a particular form and a lot of agreements to keep the form. And it shows itself most um, uh, obviously in that way um, in the timetable. That is a form. And then we have the form of the meditation. There's a wide variety of them, and one says, here we are engaging in um, using and employing methods and techniques, and we say, these methods and techniques and the posture and the general structure um, has, this form has proved itself through human experience, and through human experience, through many generations. And we can know this by the countless numbers of texts which are available, that the questions asked 500 years, a thousand years ago, are much the same as what's being asked today. That in spite of the changing outer forms of society, especially industrialized society, Actually, the inner life, the human life, really, that form, the form of our minds, the state of our minds, of, and certainly, obviously, of the body, the form of the body, really hasn't changed that much. So we may think, gosh, things are so different from 500 years ago or two and a half thousand years ago. But the way some of us think is, the event which happened here with the Buddha and so forth, in a way, it's as though it just happened yesterday. 
Because human beings, I, I sense and feel, are not so dramatically different from previous generations. So the form is being used with certain adaptions in time and place and <coughs> social reality. And then comes within that the relationship to the form. And in that relationship which one has to the form, we might describe it that two kind of events or two kind of relationships occur within it. And in a way it's to watch, be watchful of both of them. One form is through, and of course it's uh, appreciated, I don't want to uh, reject this, I've got a vested interest in not rejecting it. One way is through affirming it. So, one, one, Christopher, is pleased people settle into the form of the day, the sitting, especially as the days go by, there's a lovely atmosphere, the sitting this evening before the uh, evening talk was very, I, for me, I felt it, very soft and mellow and virtually soundless in that meeting of there. And so sometimes we affirm the general form. You see, this is you know, useful, it's valuable, I experience some uh, benefits from it, etc., etc. And, and, and there is an affirmation to the form. At other times, same person or another experiences quite the opposite to the form. And the form there's a reaction. And in a way the dynamic of it is to see the re to that there will be reaction. That's why we contribute to starting early, having long, longer sittings, engaging in um, the total process, extending the period um, later at night, etc. Part of the process is to see no, ourselves in the form and to see when we experience reaction, usually aversion, that how that aversion solidifies the form. It makes form more than what it is. And so through affirmation or through rejection form gains a substantiality which it doesn't have of itself. It's not one thing nor another. It's emptiness. But the movement makes it something. And it is an extraordinary process and phenomena in life that we find ourselves doing this, in this, again and again. And one may say, well, look, um, if we don't, if we neither affirm nor um, reject, it's like, what, 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 what's left? It's like, um, is it some kind of passive indifference to form. 
Is it some kind of attitude of mind which says, well, I don't care if it's present or if it doesn't, or if it's, <coughs> pardon me, or if it isn't present. But we might say that <coughs> with the affirmation of form, and that includes method and technique and uh, way of working, that when we do that, that affirmation very easily but not necessarily, depends if the affirmation has understanding with it, very easily becomes partisan. It, it, it becomes a bias. It becomes a prejudice. So when form ceases to be emptiness and becomes something through affirmation, through appreciation with investment, the mind cannot but help but compare with other forms and distinguishes and lives in bias. This form, through affirmation, is better than the form that they are using or, those, or that system is, or that method is, or that teaching, or that tradition, or that, 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 that. And so that underlying understanding of form is emptiness is easily forgotten. And similarly with aversion and the movement of aversion which feeling-wise is in contrast unpleasant whereas affirmation is pleasant. And yet with that movement of the um, rejection, sometimes the rejection of it is such that, as it were, it like it spreads itself out. And the kind, and with there is the aversion and the rejection that takes place, when it spreads itself out, it, one of the things that the thought does in the intensity of rejection is to draw generalizations always, every time, everybody, what, whatever. So, when we're catching ourselves, either with affirmation or with um, aversion, attachment or aversion, let us say, when, when we catch ourselves, we certainly is to, to catch the, the generalizing that can take place the generalizing, this is good for everybody. The generalizing, this is no good for any everybody. This, the generalizing that this is fantastic. The generalizing, this is dangerous or whatever. So, to, so our movement through experience with the form may be blocking the understanding that form is emptiness. So I said, so I said well, well, look, here experience these movements and this taking place, and do I, am I left with just a p kind of passive indifference? What, 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 do I, what do I do with this situation? And it seems to me that what very easily occurs in this is if there's a loss that form is emptiness, the way that we relate to form is in a utilitarian way. 
we relate to it in terms of what is it going to give me? And when we, re when we relate to it in that way, pardon me, it means that the method and the technique and the form becomes important provided I'm getting something out of it which I want. And one says, and very understandably, and just Norman just uh, received a, a, a letter just uh, recently about this, very, un very understandably, the person asked, well, surely if I use technique, if I use method, if I use the form, if I actually employ myself into a form, I can't do it without expecting something from it. <coughs> it would be ridiculous not to engage sorry, it would be ridiculous to engage in something if at some level of my personhood I don't have an expectation of something from it. Why engage in anything if you're not going to get something from it? And so what we bring to the situation, whether we have expectations or, or not, is understandably a doing mode. Doing in order to receive. Doing in order to benefit in some way or other. It's a natural, human, everyday participation. Sometimes, in the doing mode, we apply effort. Sometimes that effort brings, it seems to make things better or clearer, and sometimes it just ends up as frustration. And what we're saying here, see how we're relating to the form. See how we are using it. And it is there to be used. It, it is, as it were, a wide variety of devices. There is a quite an extraordinary range of methods and techniques. And to see how we are using it. See what we are doing with it. <coughs> Not to say, wow, form is emptiness, therefore what's the use of doing anything? If I do anything with it, I'm either affirming it or I'm uh, aversion to it. Participate in the form fully. Experience the form, employ the form, use the form, see what the experience is with the form. That doesn't make the form something special. It doesn't deny its uh, essential emptiness. And Attraction or attachment to form or aversion to form doesn't change its essential emptiness. And we might say, therefore, that the, 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 sense, the sense for that and the, <coughs> the intimate, it's a little bit hard with the language now, the sense for that or the, the, in, the intimation 
of that is as the heart of the teachings are it is that for human beings to be truly truly unconditionally free the teachings have no other usage no other purpose no other function no other message other than to enable human beings to be unconditionally free and that unconditionally free means that includes the full participation in life not a withdrawal from it and the full participation in it in which at times we may be engaged in effort and doing and method and technique and all that shows itself through through that and to sense form is emptiness and to be free unconditionally free to participate in it in the form in the structure in the experience of and similarly in that to be unconditionally free is to be formless not to have need for it not to cling to it not to make much of it and to experience formless and one of the things that one discovers and we can discover here at times in life and that means here here where life is where else at times what we perceive at times is predominantly the form timetable structure method technique posture and so forth sometimes we, that, that's our primary perception and to perceive oh that's a perception and to see if one is making something of it and at other times <coughs> we right here we perceive the formlessness we can't see where the f especially when there's s silence when there's a just being when we're not preoccupied with the time and the timetable and what's next whatever when we're sometimes just outside in the evening and we're just just taking a walk as a human being as a privilege to do unconditionally free just to take a walk there doesn't seem to be any form here it's just it's just taking a walk just just sitting and being here so at times the form is very clear and apparent and sometimes it isn't in either way in our life form is emptiness so in other words <coughs> finally it's not <coughs> what we are doing is in order to get to be free 
what we do may bring insight, it may bring uh, understanding, it may bring calmness and depth, calmness and med various meditative states and changes of consciousness and, <coughs> and or bring up old things which need to be looked at and worked with and so forth. But <coughs> immediately, the unconditional freedom. Not somewhere further away, not somewhere, so to speak, uh, along the line. Form is emptiness. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings be liberated. Let's have a couple of minute quiet period together, shall we? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.